in relation to my disability there, I had a final operation in around 1983, because that was a game changer for me for the rest of my life. Up to the age of 10, I couldn't sit on a wheelchair. I couldn't sit at all. My mobility would have been limited, so that was a game changer for me. Hello, I'm Richard Ryder, and you're listening to My Driving Force, a podcast from the Disabled Drivers Association about what drives people to reach their full goals and achieve their full potential in life. Over the next six podcasts, I will be talking to DDAI members and friends about what their driving force in life is. In this episode, I'm talking to Seamus Reedy, chairperson of the Disabled Drivers Association. Hello, Seamus. You're very welcome to the podcast and thanks for taking the time out to talk to me. Thank you very much, Richard, for the invitation. You're very, very welcome. I suppose in my introduction, I mentioned that you're the chairperson of the Disabled Drivers Association. What I forgot to mention was that you're a Limerick man and a proud Munster man. <laughs> can you suppose, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, I suppose, growing up in Limerick, your early childhood days, school studies, that kind of thing? Well, of course, no problem at all. Well, the best thing I can say is I was born with a scoliosis of the spine, it's a curvature of the spine, so I am wheelchair-bound there uh, nearly uh, for a fifth of my life. So my mother and father were always of the opinion that I should be treated as equally, so I went to national school, uh, normal national school, so-called normal, and we all, I also went to a comprehensive school there. Uh, my, my early childhood was very much out in the farm or, uh, to my own devices. So I I got knocks and bumped like a, any other child there. I wasn't cuddled or anything like that. So it, it was a good start in kind of getting my independence there. In relation to my disability there, I had a, a, a final operation in around 1983. Because that was a game changer for me for the rest of my life. Up to the age of 10, I couldn't sit on a wheelchair. I couldn't sit at all. My so my, my, my mobility would have been limited. So that would again change for me there in relation to that there, Richard. Yeah, that's, uh, what's that now? 30 years ago, I suppose, that you... Uh... Or 40 years ago. Sorry. Yeah, that's I was your, going to say, yeah. you're making me look, you're making me sound younger. <laughs> I can't do my maths. That's 40 years ago. So you had that operation. And then from that point on, then that kind of changed your life, did it? You, you were able to be in a wheelchair and you were able to get around more freely on your own and have a bit more independence. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, you could imagine being not able to kind of have the mobility there would have limited my opportunity to further my education there. That was the number one thing there. I was always encouraged there to get much uh, intellectual kind of input into myself there to, and that would stand to me later on in the employment record. So I I went all the way to uh, be a count technician at the start. But in saying that, I've always kind of stepped up my development in education because I have a strong belief in people furthering themselves, not staying in the one place there. Yeah, that's a, I think that's really good advice to our younger listeners. They're not even younger for anybody, just as the continuous mm. development, isn't it? Just go back a little bit. To, you, you mentioned school and you mentioned being, I suppose, normal or mainstream school that you were in. And what about kind of accessibility in that in the school? Did they have to put ramps up for you? Because back in those days, I suppose, and we are talking about a while ago, um, mm. was, <laughs> things weren't exactly accessible 
No, no, like, uh, I can give you an example. Like, prior, I started school, obviously, about five, because uh, prior to that, my and the early childhood was in and out of hospital there. Um, and also, my inability to sit up would have been delayed. And thank God to the perseverance of my mother and father there. They persevered in trying to get me uh, able to sit up. So my early my early school terms were uh, difficult enough because I would accessibility would be limited in relation to access. Like the, there would have been no ramps or anything like that there in relation to the school. But eventually, an inspector. I thought took it on his own behalf and designated that a builder should be brought in to build a ramp there. But other than that, there was nothing really accessible there for me. No, no, I you had to make your own, you had to make your own way and just, <laughs> as you say, get on with it. Yes, yes. But you see, Richard, that's kind of my my life uh, ethos there that I would never kind of be stopped in one place, and that would have been my family there. And my, my brothers and sisters always treated me the same. So I've always kind of got good up and go. I yeah. would never be kind of held back. Yeah, and they did, yeah. They, 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 your brothers and sisters you mentioned there, they didn't look at you as being any different or treat you in any different way. As you say, they'd probably give out to you or give you an L bump as much as they would to any of their other siblings. Is that yeah. right? <laughs> they would have caught. Maybe sometimes I look for it, but I didn't get it. <laughs> oh, no, we do it like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's gas. And then um, your mom and dad, they, you referenced them a good few times. They obviously were very, very healthy to you throughout your life and pushed you to to kind of, you know, just definitely, get on with definitely it. Definitely. Like, yeah, because we, 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 we can see in, in our experience there what other uh, people brought up there. They may have been held back for no good reason. Like you're talking about the 70s, 80s, where children with their disabilities may have been advised by the medical profession to maybe go soft, go easy on them. Yeah. Uh, and put them in kind of, I hate to term, put them in the corner, they'll be fine there. Yeah. And yeah. then they'll wait away. My mother was always determined and my father would determine that I would be an independent as much as possible as I can. So I benefit from their drive and their push yeah. behind me there, relating to my independence. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then after the primary school, secondary school, did you go on to further education? I did. I did. Actually, uh, my mother again put me because I, went, I actually got my first job in the summer in the, the factory floor when I turned 18. And I had a uh, big dream of walking in the factory floor for the rest of my life. Thank God that didn't uh, materialize. And my mother's advice stood to me. So I went to Dublin, and I don't know whether you're aware of it, but uh, we have used to have a college called in Rodland Park in Sandy Mount. Yes. It's no longer there now, but I started in, in that place. And that was a, another game changer because I had to move around there in, in the city. So... Events, I started using taxis, and then I said, why am I using a taxi when I have the mobility? So I started getting the bus. Okay. And that was when the conductors were there. Oh my God, you're going back a while with conductors on buses. Oh my God. That's it, no, no ramp. So I had to climb up in the bus myself, oh my and God. the driver would pull the, the wheelchair oh in and the accommodation there. Oh Lord, yeah. And did you, did you live up in Dublin then? You must have. I lived in Dublin now for, well, I obviously had college there yeah. for about four or five years where I I got bookkeeping and accountant technician. Right. And then after I finished my kind of studies there for a while, 
I joined the banking system where my one of my first jobs would be Citibank. Okay. There, where I was involved in I call the money transfer system there behind the that people wouldn't be aware of there. Yeah, the behind the scenes, the work, workings of the banks in the background. Yeah. Very good. And and then um, after that you moved to where? Well, I, I did in Citibank for about three years and then I would get itchy feet at they say. Yeah. So I said I'm gonna go away before the limit on the to Australia for the year visa. Right. So I went down to Australia there for the year. Again, to encouragement. I remember asking my brother, my elder brother there, what do you think of my idea? Or he said, Go for it. <laughs> and what kind of you age? Know, you have a return ticket, so if everything doesn't work out, use it. And what so kind of what age were you then, James? I was talking. Okay. It was my kind of first time going away, you see, on my own. Yeah. So me and the wheelchair headed up to Australia. Yeah, we, I walked in the banking system down there, traveled extensively, even Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, Malaysia. And then obviously I came back from Hawaii there <laughs> and I traveled across America there. Cheaper. So I did a lot of traveling. I like it. That is unbelievable. And at that stage, were you driving or were you, how were you getting on well, buses or what? No, I I wasn't driving there because I I be honest I didn't have the money there. I was still a kind of student there, and I was okay. on my way. You're... But I did have a car there after that there when I came back. So okay, I you... started driving. So we can talk well, about I... that. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little while. And come here. What? So I suppose what what what, what do you like to do in your spare time? Um, a little birdie kind of told me that you you like rugby. Is would that be right? Or <laughs> yes, that that quite right. Yes, I well I like team events. Team events. Oh, I've been, been a limit man there, obviously. I've been spoiled for choice with the horrors there, with the islands. So I've been to, I'm delighted to say that I've been to all the, the matches there that they've been in for the last four or five years. Long me at last. That's one of, your, pas- one of your passions is to kind of follow. That's a nice little segue, I suppose, into the into um, your recent trip to France where you, you went to support the Irish rugby team. And that's the question, actually, our last guest, Peter Gorey, he, he asked, he wanted to hear a little bit more about your trip over to, to France there recently when Ireland were in the in the Rugby World Cup. And um, it, it, you spent a couple of months over there, did you? I did, I did. I spent about eight weeks over there. there. So just to start with, uh, I, I obviously being a driver, I said I'd take the car with me there. Yeah. So... So there was a bit of planning involved in, in that there. So I got the boat from uh, Dublin to Sherbrooke, Irish Ferry. Very obliging, very helpful. Uh, couldn't do enough for me. Accommodation was good and everything. So no, that was a, a, a pleasant supply because usually I get aeroplanes there and they can be a, a bit of a hassle. So... You drove your own car over. And, and and being a member of the Disabled Drivers Association, you would have got a discount. Is that right? Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes, of course. I, I, I <laughs> yes, it was 10%. So all I had to do was I emailed them my uh, my disabled driver number there and they, they responded there within, 20, within 24 hours, 10% of the price. So... Uh, Double, uh, double joy there. That was great. You saved a few bob, and um, okay, yeah. yeah that, so, and then you, you landed over in in France, and and tell us, go on, continue on there. Well, uh, obviously there would have been a planning before I had to go over there to make sure, like, because obviously you're probably aware of it yourself and your listeners there. 
that they drive on the right side of the road. So uh, I was going over on my own, so I had to kind of be familiar with the road system there, driving on my own. So one of the obstacles there, well, there were two obstacles. One was simple enough, I had to, uh, there is a pollution kind of a charge if you, you don't sign up your car for the exemption there. Oh, so didn't know anything that, about that. What's, in the city. What's that? So it, there's a kind of um, a CO2 or a, yeah. Yeah, emissions, low emission, emissions. Low emission uh, in the city centre. They haven't bought it in Dublin yet, but a lot of the capital in Europe would have the, uh, a lot of the cities actually in um, in France would have it there where they have designated places where you can drive your car and where you cannot drive. And if you have a, if your car doesn't meet the requirement, you will get in fact 16 euros per every time you enter the, the kind of low emission zone. My God, I never, yeah. I never heard of that now. That's news to me. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a good old mind that taught me. So like, they're, they're one thing, and it's very simple. You just, you give them your copy of your BRT. Letter, that's how they track and it. They yeah. take all the code and they yeah. it to your car. Gee. My God. And so obviously there's sensors or something as you drive into a city on the outskirts and that takes your number plate and uh, charges you if you don't. And, uh, yeah, wow, that's... Yeah, because uh, they give you they give you a, something like a tactics on your car. So you put that uh, up in the same area where your tactics is higher. And uh, so that, that's on, that only costs about, I believe it's 65 euros. So it is a money saver there to be aware of that if you have a traveling tour fan for yourself. Very good advice. Very good advice. Yeah. So then what, the was, other, what was the other obstacle? Yeah. Yes, there was uh, another major obstacle because they're fancy full of a uh, dual carriageway and they're the best way to kind of, if you're doing long distance toll bridge. Yeah. I, I like, unlike here, in Ireland, well, I hadn't time to look at it either, but I don't know whether I would have been exempt or not. So, so, but I had to uh, overcome an obstacle because my car drives on the right side. There, the left, the on the left side is the toll booth. So the toll booth. Yes, you couldn't reach over to put the money in if you wanted to put. You know, if you were paying with coin, put it into the yes. into the yeah. So into the basket. So you had to, and I, you contacted me about this before you went. And between the mm-hmm. two of us, we, we we sorted. Well, you actually sorted in the end, but we, you you found a solution. Tell people what the solution was, if you could. I would have called no problem at all. Very very. I look. I searched the internet high and low. I tried England, the UK, and uh, France to see if I'd get a, a tag, a toll tag. Yeah. But there were eventually. I got a, a company in Germany called Toll Bridge, I think it's called. And they they send me a tag there and they give them a monthly subscription and they you can just use the car there uh, in, 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 in or through the toll so it doesn't have it comes up automatically. That's what I'm trying to say. Sorry. That's absolutely brilliant. So that means every time you drove up to the barrier then it just opened up and charged you like you do here when you Register your car. Yeah. So, so that, that, the tag for the door, but it, it, the hard plate, the hard, the hard job would just get one. Yeah, to actually find out who supplied them. But once you found that out, and it turns out you were telling me it was in Germany, I think, that you eventually got it because I was looking and I was trying to help you, as I said, and we looked mm. up a place in the UK, but you had to have a UK bank account. Wasn't wasn't that the, the problem with that, that one? 
That's it. And the same with France. Like, you know, you had to have a count there that they, in the country. So their doors were out. And they wouldn't take credit cards. And- yeah, yeah. That was a bit kind of <laughs> well done and fine in that. And what I did is actually I, I went on to our website and I put it up on the, the news section of the website. If people are interested, you can go on to uh, www.ddai.ie. And um, I put the whole thing up there, how to go about getting that pass on the website. So you can go and, and look at it there if if you're interested in that. But um, And so you overcame that problem and then you were able to fly around the motorways, the highways and byways of France, which was fantastic. I just have it up in front of me here. And you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll let people know the name of it. It's a toll, toll, yeah, it's toll bird, as in the bird that flies. So www.tollbird. Dot com, tollbird.com and um, you'll need that if you're going to travel on your own. Okay, so yeah. that was fantastic. So then, as I say, you 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 got to go to see Ireland in all their matches. Did you... I went over about two weeks before the uh, World Cup just to get my bearings and all to get, uh, get a kind of used to the lifestyle and the, the road kind of system there. So I went to uh, mainly in Paris. I... I Winter to all the island games in Paris in the same Denise there. So okay. Scotland and South Africa and the quarterfinal and the final. I would look to get a ticket for the final. So Fantastic. Amazing. Absolutely. And come here, just in terms of the at the matches, was there designated areas for wheelchair users like or did you have to did you have to pre book that too? Or well no, a lot of the major kind of uh, stadiums and events would have disability uh, areas. No, okay. I was very impressed with the um, the World Cup because not only did they look after physical disability in store, they also looked after people that would have hard of hearing or me would have the sensors. Sensory, uh, sensory issues, issues yeah. So Maybe autism. That's the first time I've seen that. So very ah. welcome thing that they're thinking outside the box. Yeah, in yeah they're very inclusive. So that's that's good to hear. And what about then accommodation, like if you're staying in hotels and, and the accessibility of hotels? Because we all know and we all hear the stories about ringing hotels and they say that they're accessible. And when you arrive at the hotel, then um, it's nowhere near accessible. So have you any, any stories about that? I, I do. No, I, look, I, this is what I do. I book a hotel yeah, and then I obviously review it and hopefully that everything needs a kosher and what they're saying about the accessibility and everything. But I also email them. Uh, maybe a couple of days just to confirm um, that it is. And then I give my a brief details of my situation there and what I require and everything there and hopefully everything come back. So anyway, on one occasion anyway, I said I'll email them. They didn't come back. I said, right, that would be good. So they usually do. <laughs> and uh, I went to the hotel. I, I arrived there about 3 o'clock. I looked up my email and it said that I, they have no room on the ground floor, but they have a room on the sick on the fourth floor. Now remember, I said I was in a wheelchair. Yeah. So I said, right, that's fine. There must be an elevator. <laughs> so right, thinking, okay, that's sound, right? Mm-hmm. right. So I arrived and I went into the door and you know, I gave my details and the receptionist is looking at me. 
and I know about the, <laughs> the faith there. The, the Bad news of, coming, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, in fairness, in fairness, they, they, there was no elevator. We put it like that. Right. There was no oh elevator anywhere. Oh my and God. there was no ramp up to the second oh, floor. Geez. Did you have to sleep in the car, Seamus, or what happened to you? No. <laughs> no, like I said, oh no, I didn't, but I have in the past. Have you? Like, uh, yeah. Really? In my other trip there, yeah, but uh, we, we, that's a long story. Okay, okay, yep. we haven't time for that one. <laughs> we can yeah. talk about that or again. It, it, but what happened that, that night? What happened that particular night in France when the, there was no ramp, there was no lift, and there was no way of getting up to your room? No, I felt in the kindness of the, the receptionist and she was able to get me an alternative room. Okay. Which was not accessible, but it was oh. just for one night. Right. And um, we, yeah. I, I managed. We put yeah. it like that. I managed. Yeah. And I mean, like, the amount of stories you hear about that, you know, um, people going somewhere, being told that it's accessible, and then they get there and it's it's not, you know. So it's, it's, it is something that needs to be looked at. But So <laughs> any other little stories or any any fables of what happened to you while you were on your trip? Oh, well, like, I, I, I travelled extensively uh, around the, the country of France there. So, like, I went down to Nice, yeah. there, in the south oh. of France. So I wanted to see the Mediterranean there. So oh, gorgeous. Very good. Nice part. I said, lovely part, particularly on, a, on in the, the 20, 30 degrees there oh. that I... Yeah. I was sampling there before I headed back too far for the wind, for the rain and cold. <laughs> very busy, there. very busy down there, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, although it's not high season, so it probably wasn't like crazy. But yeah, you you called it right there. It wasn't high season, so it wasn't too bad. But I, one of the highlights of my trip was to go to Monaco. Oh, wow. And you, you're familiar with uh, Monaco and the Grand Prix. Yes, I am, yeah. Uh, and uh, the street racing track. So I can say... I did the did. three circuits <laughs> on Monaco. Good man. There you no, go. I, I must add, I was within the limit. So I uh, <laughs> but you did, the, but you did the track, and that's I something you track. can always. And that's and not not many people could say that. I'd say anyway. I sure, I certainly can't. So that was a, that was a trip of a kind of a lifetime, I'd imagine. And you got back. You had to come back to work, I presume. And that was a very good. Um, you must have had a lot of holidays saved up, or you have a good um, employer. I'm a good. I'm a good employer. Yeah, but who, who do you actually? Who do you work with? Um, if you don't mind. Yes. I work. I I work with the Department of Total Protection in okay. Ligo. Right. So. My 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 kind of job would be I'm what they call a deciding officer. Right, and what so, does that what does that mean? No, that means that people would send in their claims to me. I would adjust. Uh, I sorry, I judge judge them. Yeah, based on the information and additional information that I require, and did decide whether the claim can be processed or not, or need okay. further the okay. further information to. Help it along. Okay, so know, say, say for example, uh, if somebody was looking for, you know, to get maybe somebody onto onto a disability payment, for example, and there's a form to fill out, they would fill out the form, send it in to the HSE, and you it may come to you, and you would you would look at what the person sent in, and say, oh, okay, we're missing this bit of information, that bit of information, and um, then once all the information you have, all the information, you could make a decision as to whether that person is entitled to. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. basically, yes, that, that's the, the short of it there. Very so, good. That's but, uh, I would also take the letter why they have been either approved or disapproved okay. there so they can have a second advice. Uh, that's a lot of responsibility, Seamus, for, for you to have. You know, it's kind of on your head to, to decide these things, but obviously that's your job and you, and you have experience and there's, you know, there's yeah. there are parameters for people if, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you're within the, you know, if you meet the criteria, you'll get it. And if you if you don't, you won't. And that's kind of that's kind of it. Because we're like obviously we're 
all our garden will be kind of legislation there. Yeah, so yeah, we exactly. are, yeah. we are like anyone can see it there. The, the guidelines there, so we're not, we're all open front and transparent. Oh, of course, 100%, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to kind of rewind a little bit back to when we started mm-hmm. talking just a little bit about driving. And um, I suppose you might tell me a little bit about how you started driving and what the barriers to entry were with somebody with a disability in a wheelchair user and, you know, about your, your car and adaptations that you use and grants that you might have got. So if you could maybe just Tell our listeners a little bit about that, how you got driving, what age you were and how you started. Okay, yeah, well, I, like any 17-year-old uh, young, young lad, he, he was eager to drive, so I'm no different. So my parents obviously encouraged me to do, to start driving there. So I remember the first car was around 19. Okay. So prior, prior to that, I went down to Cork to get a couple of driving lessons in relation to an automatic car. Sure. So I'm trying to think where it was, but I, it was the lovely area. It was outside car, because yeah. probably a mallow. Uh, I think it was uh, one of the instructors from the Irish Witch Association there. So, and then after I took the instruction there, I started to drive there. My my father was a, a, a big instructor for me too. So what we used to call the server clutch. Oh, so yeah. they, that's how long ago now I'm going back. They don't use there. them anymore. That's before the, no. uh, the hand controls. The hand controls and the service clutch was worked by a compressor that would pull the clutch and you'd change the gear. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But it, it, anyway, it worked. that's all that was But there. anyway, but uh, like I said, uh, I saw, and then obviously when I moved to Dublin, I, I had my own car. Yeah. And uh, obviously having the car, you know, it's freedom. Yeah, what, yeah, I was just going to ask you what it meant for you. Yeah, and it's independent, like, and you're given more choices in 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 your life there. Like, like, it enables me obviously to travel, travel to France and travel around the country here. Hmm. Enable me to um, to walk. Yeah, gain to, employment. Yeah, to gain employment because you're living up in you live up in um, Carrigan Shannon, don't you? I do. Like, uh, I I I was only going up there up here six years. I'm still here <laughs> for over ten years. Uh, sorry, six months and. I'm here over 10 years. Oh, so, it's a nice part of the world, so it's not the worst place it is, to be. It is. But and also, like, I, I, I like to drive home, go down to Limerick every now and again, because there's no bus, there's no direct bus. Yeah. And we, we kind of all know that public transport can be hit and miss with the best of intentions here, there. Yeah. So I, I, having your own car, like I said, it's more easier to transport yourself, and it also it beats your isolation. I can go out now and jump in the car and talk, go to a friend of mine there uh, and just have that face-to-face because you know yourself, like, obviously during COVID we were limited, but having that company there and chat somebody face-to-face. Yeah, well, it gives you independence. It gives you independence. You can do what you want when, whenever you want. And if you don't want to drive it, you don't have to. But if you want to get in the car, you can and just go. Um, and yeah. Like, as I, as, I, as I mentioned, and I, I said there that you're the chairperson of the Disabled Drivers Association. You have been now for a couple of years. And, like, to get to meetings, we have meetings, you know, you have probably four or five meetings a year, board meetings, and, you know, you have to be able to drive to them. So that's just one example of how the car yeah, yeah, like, like it's, it's a great honour to be the, the, the chairperson of the uh, Disabled Drivers Association. So I take that very seriously there. Yeah. So, and uh, that's why we're on the podcast. Is there any listener there they, they, that may be willing to join the board 
they're more than welcome to that's find very, out more about it. I would encourage them because it's good to kind of get in there to push the equality right and also the, the ability there to uh, maybe find out about more information about grants. Exactly. The, and also the primary cert and uh, on the exemption there that may or may not be entitled to. So all the information is valid there, is valuable, sorry. It is, 100%. And like we've recently uh, we've recently completed a three-year strategic plan, which you were heavily involved with, with myself, and um, that's going to be launched shortly. And um, we're really looking forward to getting that getting that off the ground. So people, listeners will hear a lot more about that now in, in the coming months. But um, So that brings us then, I suppose, coming near the end of the interview now, um, Seamus. And I wanted to ask you, I suppose, what your driving force in life is. My driving force is, well, obviously, being able to get out and about there. How I uh, approach life is uh, to enjoy myself really kind of thing. But also in relation to being able to live as much independently as I can for as long as I want there. Also there, like I said, in relation to the car, having the car gives me independence, but it also gives me freedom. Yeah. And just to kind of uh, on a finishing note, it also for that limited time when I'm driving, it also did me equality uh, among my peers there. If you can understand, I that do there, indeed. That's a really good point. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's 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 really good. Thank you, James. Um, and then the final question is, as I ask every guest, is that you get to ask the next guest a question of your own. So the next guest, I would like to have a bit of background. When they face obstacles, either to their disability or, you know, things that may need to be overcome, could you ask them if they could advise me how, or advise their listener, how they could overcome them? And would they be comfortable in relation to seeking help or kind of assistance there? Uh, it's often a kind of a, a bone of attention, a kind of a bone of uh, myself there that I would be slow to seek assistance there. Okay. And it doesn't make any difference there. People are usually willing to help there. But that, that's my question. That's anyway. a really good question. And thanks a million, Seamus. And look, I will get that on to the next guest. We'll ask that question. And thank you so, so much for joining me on this episode of My Driving For Seamus. And look, I'd like to wish you um, a happy new year as this um, we're into January 2024 now. Uh, so happy new year to you and your family. I wish you every success in 2024. Oh, and uh, good luck to Munster and the Irish rugby team for the coming season. Thanks again, Seamus. And thank you very much, Richard. And congratulations there in relating to the podcast. Really enjoy listening to them. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for listening to this episode of My Driving Force podcast. And please remember to follow us on your favourite podcast platform. And don't forget to spread the word to anyone you think might be interested in hearing more. If you are interested in hearing more and finding out a little bit more about the Disabled Drivers Association and the services we offer, please visit www.ddai.ie. Or if you would like to contact me for any reason, please email me at podcast at ddai.ie. Thanks again for listening and have a great day, whatever you get up to.